0: I'm glad all of you guys could uh, make it out this morning, even though there's all the hecticness of the past couple of weeks. There's been gifts that have been wrapped and unwrapped. There have been cookies that have been baked and set out and eaten. Family has come. Family is gone. The house has been cleaned, torn apart, and cleaned again. And through all of it, we made it through. It's been a really crazy season, though. Gosh, since what, October 31st? We've been, our society as a whole has been putting up all the Christmas decorations and getting excited for December 25th. Even the past four weeks as a church, we've been getting excited, we've been getting ready. For the not-so-silent night that happened 2,000 years ago, Christmas Eve, when Jesus was born. That's what we've been doing here, and I've been blessed to be able to be a part of that. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Marth. I've been interning here with Crestview and the staff for... Uh, The past semester or so. And it's been a ton of fun. Uh, They've let me into staff meetings. I've been able to see what Devin and Jared and Taylor and Natalie and Steve all do on a day-to-day basis throughout the rest of the week. You know, there's a couple of things I've learned. If you want to see how mean Devin can be, have him critique your sermon. (laughs) he still can't find very many critiques. If you want to see how mean Jared can be, have him critique your sermon. He comes up with a lot of very good and encouraging things to say, and so does Devin. It's been fun to laugh with Steve, and I've been working with Natalie for about three and a half years now. I've been a part of the youth group, and I've been doing that since I moved from Oakley, Kansas to Manhattan Christian College where I've been studying to be a pastor and doing counseling as well. Also within the past year, I got married and this was our first Christmas together. And for those of you who have been married, for those of you who got married and done all of the firsts, you know what first Christmases are like. You're deciding who to What family to go to, you're coming up with new traditions, maybe getting rid of some of the old ones. But it's been a fun Christmas season in part because of that. The Saturday after we got back from Thanksgiving with my side of the family, we got really excited on the way by. We stopped at Hobby Lobby, we picked up new ornaments, we picked up our tree. And we got to decorate it together. That was a ton of fun. But one of the traditions that means the most to me, I've been doing with my family for ages. See, every Christmas Eve, we went to my side of the family and then saw her family on Christmas Day. But on Christmas Eve, my mom buys all of us kids and my dad and her a matching set of pajamas, So that way in the morning we can all wake up. We dress up in our pajamas and we're all ready for our photos, right? That's, that's what they're for. So we all come down that um, Christmas morning. We hand out the stockings. And then my dad pulls out his Bible. It looks quite a bit like this. It's fairly big. It's heavy. He opens it up. And he reads the Christmas story right up until Jesus is born. Then we open up all of our gifts. We go to grandma and grandpa's. We open up gifts there. We eat. We see family. We eat some more. And in the process of all of that, in the process of traveling from house to house and seeing different relatives began to ask the question, what's next? This time, it's less than silent. It's hectic. It's busy. And it's all centered around celebrating Jesus' birth. But what do we do after Jesus' birth? What do we do Today? There's a few answers to that question, and there's a few different places that we can go, but what better place than what happens right after Jesus' birth? So this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be in the first 12 verses. For anybody who doesn't have a Bible, there are Bibles on the tables um, on either side of the room. And if you have your phone and you'd rather use that, Crestview has a live event on the Bible app. It's really easy to get to. As you guys are getting there, let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for sending your son. I thank you for just the opportunity to worship him. Even in knowing exactly what he came on this earth to do, to save us. Father, as we go through this morning, I pray that anything that I say that is of you, it would be burned into our minds, and we would remember it for the rest of our lives. But anything that I say that is not of you, I pray that it's burned away. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So, Matthew chapter 2 begins a lot like any other story does. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Immediately, we get the setting. This is something that We've been learning since grade school. We open up and we start to read. And we ask ourselves a set of questions. Who, what, when. The first question is easily answered. When? And it says pretty clearly, Now after Jesus was born. Okay, great. That can mean like, a couple of minutes, a couple hours, weeks, months? Well, a number of people, far, far smarter than I am, they've been studying this and they've been studying the culture surrounding the birth of Jesus. And they think that this was about three months after Jesus was born. And I'll tell you why. And the answer is in the who. The who is the three wise men, right? At least that's what we've been told. We've been told there's three of them because there's three gifts. But who are these wise men? Again, these much smarter people, they like to say that they believe that these people are from Babylon, Babylon was still around, at least some form of it, when the Roman Empire was up, and it was pretty far to the east, about a three-month journey. But it wasn't just like a three-month walk, and it was really easy. It was a three-month journey through the desert. So we have these three wise men who are a part of Babylon. They're probably high-up people. Think back to the book of Daniel when he was exiled to Babylon. He ended up becoming similar to what these wise men were. He was an advisor to the king. He interpreted his dreams. He helped make law and legislation. He was an important person. And these people were probably as important as Daniel was. And they upset all of their schedules. Think about what it's like trying to schedule one week for a vacation. They scheduled three months of their lives to cross the desert with their entourage of people and camels that were holding the gifts. Why? For what purpose? They came from the east, they came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They came and they came pursuing Jesus. That was their purpose. And that's where we see our first potential answer of what do we do now with our time with our lives in this period after Christmas. We pursue Jesus, right? And there's a few things that happen when we pursue Jesus. It says starting in verse 4 or verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. The three wise men started pursuing Jesus. And somebody noticed. But it wasn't just any somebody. It was a king. It was an incredibly important person who had a lot of power in this area. When we start pursuing Jesus, people notice. At least that's what we're told. People see how we upset our schedules. We give up time with the guys or the girls so that way we could start pursuing Jesus. That's what we're told is supposed to happen. And truthfully, that is what happens. And then something else happens. They start asking questions. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They start asking about why we're upsetting our time, why we're changing our rhythm, why we're giving things up. And we get to tell them. We get to tell them exactly why. Exactly who Jesus is. Starting in verse five, they being the wise men told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you for from you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people, Israel. We get to start telling. That's the next step. We start pursuing. People start seeing changes. And they start asking questions. And we start giving answers. We start telling about who this wonderful person is. Right? But what happens when people don't come? What happens when people don't ask questions? When people... Don't really notice a change in our lives, even though we are changing almost everything. I don't know as if that is the exact answer. Pursuing Jesus is important, it's good. But what else happens? Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what the time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And then moving on, they they decide, Okay, sure, we'll come and let you know. We want you to also come and worship and be a part of all of this. And so they go and he sent them to Beth. uh, After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly and with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Worship Jesus. Don't just pursue Jesus, right? Worship him. Bow down. Be excited about being able to come to church. Be excited about getting up in the morning and doing your morning quiet time with Jesus. Maybe that's what we're supposed to do. So we set up our read the Bible in a year plan on the Bible app. and We get excited about it. Then February comes around. And like all of our other desires, all of our other resolutions, it gets hard. And that's not a bad thing. That's normal. But it's still hard. Doesn't feel like that's quite the idea. And so we start giving more of ourselves, right? The wise men, uh, they started offering him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. They offer the best of what they have, and it's not even just of what they have. Remember, these are people who are high up in a kingdom. They're probably not just bringing something from their own pockets, they're bringing the best of an entire kingdom. I mean, it's gold. It's not just money. This is a forward-thinking deal. People have interpreted it, or said that this idea, is, this idea of gold is not just funding for the moment, but later would fund Jesus' ministry as he was out away from his house for three years, traveling. This gold was a forward thinking gift. And then we get to the frankincense and myrrh, and well, I'm not entirely sure what it is. They sound expensive, right? Well, these are spices that are used for burial. This is, again, another forward thinking gift. Of Jesus' death and eventual resurrection. These wise men start giving the best of the best of not only themselves, but of their kingdom, of an entire group of people. If we try to follow that, we start giving more and more of ourselves. We start working harder. We start doing more to try and take care of our kids. I know for myself, I start doing more things to try and help my wife out around the house, which is something that I'm learning more and more as I go through this first year of marriage. I start trying to do better in school. I start to try to force ideas out as I write that have no business being there. But in my mind, it's I've got to give More. I've got to give of my talents and gifts even better but then it's no longer about pursuing and worshiping Jesus is it it's more about myself and what I can do so I don't know as if giving our gifts I don't know as if Pursuing Jesus harder in this time is the right answer. And there's one last verse left, so that I think this is where we go. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they debar- departed to their own country by another way. The wise men have a dream. And they get the idea that Herod doesn't exactly have worship planned. So they go the back way. What an odd verse to end a story on. What an odd verse to hang a sermon on. But I think the focus is the dream. Where did that dream come from? God. God. Where did the star that they followed for three months come from? It came from God. Where did the scriptures that they started reading and began to understand that Jesus was going to be born in middle of nowhere Bethlehem come from? They came from God. The past four weeks, Devin has done a fantastic job of walking us through the different characters and important people within the Christmas story. Starting from before the Christmas story began with Zachariah and Elizabeth and how God heard of them. Even in their desperate cries and pleas, even in their worries and doubts, God heard them. Then we talked about Mary. And we talked about how God prepared her and honored her in this time where it was literally a life and death situation. Where if she was found out for adultery because she had a child within her before she was married. The law said she was supposed to be killed. And yet, God was with her and honored her. And then, Joseph. Joseph, who God directed and guided as he had to deal with the awkward situation of marrying a woman with a child in her who was not his own. And yet, God was there. And then the wise men where God was with them, even though they weren't even a part of his people, the Jews. The common thread through all of this is God was there, and they trusted him. So, as we close out this time, as we begin to look forward to 2020 and we close out this decade, how are we trusting in God? How are we following His guiding light even when we don't necessarily know what His plan is or even who He is? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much again for this Christmas season, the opportunity to celebrate Jesus and his birth so that way later he could be killed, buried, and resurrected to forgive us our sins. I pray that as we go throughout this time and transition, we remember that it's not just about pursuing Jesus harder or giving more gifts or giving better gifts, or giving more of ourselves, but that we can look to you, that we can remember that you guide us, and that we can trust your guidance. It's in your name I pray. Amen.